Hello and welcome to the Spirit Guide Society podcast. My name is Pedro Shanahan and I'm your spirit guide. Tonight in the Whiskey Society at Seven Grand Whiskey Bar in downtown Los Angeles, we had master distiller from Michter's in the house, Dan McKee. Woo! <laughs> I've been begging for this to happen for over five years. I think actually seven years because this is one of the most coveted yet least known about brands in the bourbon rye whiskey world. We went through uh, the the unblended American whiskey. Our small batch single. Small batch. Yep, small bourbon. batch US one bourbon. Our uh, US one single barrel Kentucky straight rye. And then our- uh, Single barrel rye. Yeah. I'm gonna say that really slowly. Single barrel rye. <laughs> and, then, and then we did and the then barrel strength. And then we did a barrel strength. strength uh, uh, single barrel rye. Be sure to enjoy this podcast responsibly. That means don't go around slinging bottles of whiskey at people you don't know. Appreciate it with them. Share this moment here. Cheers to you. A very raucous slow clap. I, I have to be careful when we when we, you know, we're really packed tonight. I'm on the mic and I'm a very loud clapper. And I just realized that when I use my big hands and make the real big clap with the microphone right here, it is kind of gnarly. Hello, Maria. I was, cla I was clapping my own eardrums right out of the room there. Welcome to the Whiskey Society, everyone. Thanks for coming out tonight. It is a really special night in the Whiskey Society, a special Wednesday night edition here in downtown Los Angeles. This is a real treat for me because Michter's is a brand that I've loved for years. And it's one of those brands that's kind of, in the past, been very mysterious. I think I ran into the owner of the company at the Bourbon Festival in Kentucky, like probably five years ago. And I was like, when can we get you out to Seven Grand, man? I've been asking, I've seriously been asking for you guys to come out for probably seven or eight years. And I talked to the owner and made him promise. And that, Five years later, finally we get you in the room here. Well, I'm honored we, to be here. Oh, we're honored to have you. Let's give it up for Mr. Dan McKee, Master Distiller from Michter's. It's a really big deal. So you don't know, normally we don't open up these double doors. We had, to, we had to spread out tonight because we had so many RSVPs. People are really excited about this brand. You guys have a very loyal following. But like I was alluding to in the past, it's been like, uh, you guys private labeled in the past, but there's a great deep history to the brand. So can you give us a little backdrop? Of like, where does Michter's come from? Talk about the Baumberger Distillery. Let sure, us know the, sure. the, the true deep history okay. of Michter's. Yeah, so first of all, thank you very much for having me here. This is an honor. Um, you know, anytime I, I get to travel from Kentucky and here I am in LA, I, I realize really quickly I'm not in Kentucky anymore. <laughs> it, it dawned on me that uh, talking to you guys over there that uh, I think it was quicker for me to take the plane ride from Louisville to uh, LA than it was to come from Hollywood to here. So, um, so it's a little different, but, uh, but yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, Michter's has a very long, rich history. It dates back to uh, 1753 in Schaeferstown, Pennsylvania. Um, John Schenck, a, a Swiss Mennonite farmer, began distilling rye whiskey. As we know, rye whiskey, rye was the predominant grow, uh, crop grown back then due to like marginal uh, soil and small crop sizes. But um, so in the mid 1800s, it was sold to Abraham Bombergers. Welcome. <laughs> We're packing more in heaven. So, in the mid-1800s, like I said, uh, the distillery went from Shanks. It was sold to Abraham Bombergers, and it was Bombergers up until 1919 when Prohibition started, okay? So, like most distilleries, it closed its doors to the public, and then after Prohibition, the distillery came back online uh, around 1934. Um, it changed hands several times, and uh, by the 1950s, though, a gentleman named Lou Foreman became the owner. Um, and eventually renamed the distillery to Michter's, and that was after his uh, two sons, Michael and Peter, he combined the names. So it is Michter's. Uh, some people use a strong like German accent, Mitchers, and you know things like that, but it is Michter's. Um, and then unfortunately in 1989, the brand went bankrupt. It abandoned all the labels, trademarks, and so forth. Um, remember in that time, American whiskey, brown spirits, 
was at a kind of an all-time low, so they were struggling just like a lot of distilleries were. Um, our current owner and president, Joe Melioko, he, which you would have met, um, he, he used to represent Michter's on the distribution side of things in the late uh, 1970s, and so he was familiar with the brand, okay? And so in, in the 90s, when they found out that the brand had been abandoned, um, he went through the process of, of acquiring everything, and, and which is it's truly special. He, he had a, a really good friend, mentor, Dick Newman, which was the uh, CEO of Austin Nichols or Wild Turkey back in the day. Um, they decided to resurrect the brand back to Kentucky. And there are several reasons. You know, first of all, there's a lot of great people, a lot of great distillers and so forth, of course, in Pennsylvania. But the decision was made to come to Kentucky because at the time that was where there was a large pool. Not only is Kentucky one of the best places to make and age whiskey, but also the people, the distillers, the people that understand how to, you know, package and understand the tax and trade bureau regulations, things like that. So in the 90s, we entered what we call phase one. And that's where they went around to other distilleries in Kentucky and purchased matured stock to fit the profile they wanted to build the company on. Remember, again, in the 90s, we were still at an all-time low. People, distilleries were glad to sell barrels. So that's what we call phase one, and that's what you're gonna see at this point in the upper marks, our 20, our 25-year products, okay? And then in the early 2000s, they took our proprietary yeast, our mash bill, we went to another distillery in Kentucky, and it was like a chef using another chef's kitchen. We contract distilled, but we oversaw the production of it um, and told them how we would like it, okay? That's phase two. That's currently what's in the US one line that we're gonna try tonight, okay? And then entered into now what we call phase three. And I know I'll get asked, so I'll go ahead and say contractually, I'm not allowed to say who that distillery is. <laughs> I'll go ahead and throw that out there. Um, now phase three, a lot of exciting things have been happening. So our main distillery is in Shively, Kentucky. It's a city within a city of Louisville, okay? When we purchased the building in 2012, the first two uh, departments were the processing department and bottling. And then by August of 2015, um, it's when uh, the phase three, the new distillery came online, okay? And a lot of exciting things. We do everything from front to back at the distillery. Um, we have, you know, the distillery, we have one on-site warehouse, we have, um, again, the processing department, the bottling department, we have several warehouses that are off-site, and then also over a year ago we purchased 145 acres of farmland um, in Springfield, Kentucky, a little over an hour southeast of Louisville, and we're currently working with a local farmer to grow some grains to eventually use at our new uh, downtown, the Fort Nelson distillery, which I'll talk about here in a second. But we've also just had the completion of one of our warehouses that we just started entering into just a couple weeks ago. And then the second warehouse is uh, being built as we speak right now. Um, also, we, I mentioned the Michter's Fort Nelson distillery. It's our visitor center downtown. Please come to Louisville at some time. It's a beautiful city. It has a lot of uh, distilleries, whether in the countryside or downtown Louisville. Um, and the, what's really special at downtown is we, um, it's a com fully operational distillery, craft distillery. We have the pot-to-pot -pot still system and three cypress wood fermenters from when Michter's was in Schaeferstown, Pennsylvania. Those stills were handcrafted in 1976, and we are now producing on them. And at some point, there'll be a, its own product, the Michter's Fort Nelson. Um, That'll be some really small batches, yeah. I imagine. Yeah, um, and again, I'm gonna talk a lot about quality tonight, and that, that was a great thing about working with these pot stills. First of all, the history behind them, but also ownership gave us um, you know, a nice long runway. It wasn't like you have five days to figure it out and put it in a barrel. We actually were able to distill different mash bills, use different yeast out of our yeast program, and actually come up with new things. So it will be completely different than as you see the US one line. And it's going to allow us to have innovation down the road. Um, typically, our products are aged, the US one line here, five to seven years. So it'll still be some time. Um, 
In fact, just the other week, we actually finally went into a barrel with our first rye distillate. So you can see how it took us a while. But we've got a lot of great distillers, uh, Matt Bell um, and the team that I work with. They're doing a great job, and so it's very exciting. Now, the US One line, what is this first expression that we're gonna get into and taste as a group this okay. evening? So I wanted to start out with our uh, small batch, unblended American whiskey. Um, it is the lightest um, expression by proof at 83.4 proof, so I wanted to start there. This is a, has a little sweeter profile, vanillas, butterscotch, so forth. Um, some people call it a dessert whiskey. Now this is a distillate that we've distilled and entered into our new toasted and charred American white oak barrels and also our once used bourbon barrels, okay? Because of the, because of the used barrel, now it's American whiskey. So we fully age them, like I said, typically between five and seven years, and then we bring it back together. And you'll notice that it says unblended, and that's the signify like, signify like a, a, a blended American whiskeys that can use up to 80% grain neutral spirits. We're not adding anything. This is our whiskeys coming back together and making a very nice expression. So and, is there any column still distillate in this? Is it all? Yeah, so our main production line comes off column. So our main distillery is a continuous column still and doubler pot still. So that it's not pot to pot. Okay. So um, what's still no, no grain distillate, meaning that everything's coming off the still less than 135. Well, actually, we distill at 138. Okay. And then we and we'll talk about it here in a little while. We, we actually cut all of our distillate to 103 proof to go into the barrel. Oh, brilliant. Okay. Okay. So um, and and again the the unblended American. Uh, whiskey, it's very approachable also to somebody that's new to the category uh, and it makes a very nice, it adds a sweetness to a cocktail too. So um, yeah, it, it's very nice. And, and now a little bit of that extra sweetness, you said you guys are using toasted barrels and toasted charred and char Brand new toasted charred American white oak and then our once used bourbon barrels. So to understand what he's talking about, like when you just toast a barrel, it's not like charring, you're just warming, you have to toast the barrel just enough to bend the staves to make the barrel itself. But in that process, you're drawing the sap of the white oak tree toward the surface. Right. So you're, you're kind of like bringing those sugars out of the wood ahead of time. And that could be contributing to that sweetness, well, perhaps? De definitely, it all has it, exactly what you're saying. With the, the toasting process, with that low temperature fueled by a oak-fueled fire, Low temperature helps prepare the inner layers of the wood stave, if you think of it that way. You have like the hemicellulose layer, the wood sugars, vanillin layers that produce, uh, you know, uh, lignin produces the uh, vanillas and things like that. So the toasting will allow it to go farther, deeper into the stave than just the charring. And then we come in with a number three char, so not to damage what we've just prepared. So, um, but yeah, there's definitely a nice sweetness to it. and. Uh, and what, what cooperage do you guys buy your barrels from? So we, we use several. I mean, Independent Stave is one of our uh, uh, big suppliers, but we use several for business continuity, and they all have to have repeatable results and, um, and provide proof of it so everybody's staying consistent during the toasting uh, process and charring. And what we have in our glass here, this is stuff that was a contract distillation this is, with you guys? Yes, this is phase two. And you can't tell us who did it? I, I, yeah, I cannot but, tell. When you do a contract distillation, does that mean you guys do it like one month out of the year or one week out of the month? Or how often they let you kind of take over their kitchen? So it, it was through the year. It was, it was called Michter's Days. So okay. it, it, was, it was spaced out. So, you know, we have a good and bad problem of being highly allocated. So if you're frustrated why you can't find certain ones, I always say, please have patience. We're working on it. Um, you know, there's one thing about whiskey. When you forecast, you're going to be wrong. So they were wrong. <laughs> so well, wonderful stuff. If, okay. And so Dan can't tell us where this whiskey was made, but if you're super sleuthy, you can go out and tour a bunch of the distilleries in Kentucky, sneak into their employee break rooms, check the calendar for the days that are marked Michter's days. But those and then are, we got them, guys. But, but we those got are on, right. You're going to have to find old calendars, though. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No. So this first expression, this is the um, yep. the American blended, uh, unblended, unblended whiskey. Yep. No age statement. So again, typically between five and seven. So also, as I mentioned, we're a privately held company. There's three brothers that own the uh, company. 
with no outside investors. They're very passionate about the brand. It truly is uh, a quality approach. And again, all companies talk about quality. Tonight, I, I'll expand upon it, but the things we're doing. But um, again, it is a passion of theirs, and, um, and I think it, it really shows. So sm when you see small batch, small batch to us, there's no legal definition what small batch is. Um, ours are the equivalent of 20 full barrels. So they're small, and that drives that you have to have consistency and quality in your barrels. And then, of course, our rise and others are single barrel. So we either do single barrel or small batch. And that's, we're not doing large 500 barrel batches and blending in like that. Um, it drives home. In fact, if barrels are coming in from the warehouse and they don't meet our quality standards, we actually dispose of it, reclaim it into fuel ethanol. So, oh, that's yeah. crazy. I did not yeah. know. That's very interesting. So what's the mash bill on the unblended American whiskey? <laughs> we won't say percentages, but I will say our whiskeys are of the corn, rye, and malted barley. Okay? Would you consider it to be a high rye bourbon? Like over 12, 13%? Without saying what it is, is it a high rye bourbon? <laughs> or is it a traditional mash bill? I, I, I know there's a lot of things that people want to know. I love my job. This is the best one, and I don't want to go... <laughs> I, I don't want to go back to what I was doing. So what, um, are, you, are you put off by all these camera and no, no, equipment? absolutely not. Um, but no, there's a few things that we just keep our cards close to our chest. Okay. Uh, okay. But uh, and that's one of them. You know, yeast. That's one thing we don't discuss. And most distilleries don't. You know. So, um, but yeah, percentages. But there's rye in it. Okay. Okay. So let's do this. Let's get into this American unblended whiskey. Yeah, Benno. Yes. What does unblended really mean in, the, in your sense? Sure. Unblended to us was, again, just kind of uh, separate from the blended American whiskey that can add up to the 80% 80, 80 grain neutral spirits and other things. We wanted the consumer to just understand that it was our whiskeys coming together without us adding coloring or anything else to the, to the product. This is our whiskeys that were aged in barrels only cut by water and come together. Most importantly, no neutral grain spirit. Yeah. So if by definition, Seagram 7, it's American blended whiskey. You look on the back of a bottle of Seagram 7, it says 75% yeah. neutral grain spirits. That's not what is in your glass right. here right now. Right, this is whiskey that would have come off the still, went into a new toasted and charred American white oak barrel and a once used bourbon barrel and then fully aged and then brought back together. So okay. let's taste this together. Stick your nose in that glass, breathe in gently through your mouth. What food words come to mind? There's no wrong answers. This is a community forum that you can get deeper into your own ability to smell and taste. So what are you guys getting? Candied lemon. Candied lemon, nice. What else? Pepper? That would probably be that rye grain in there. Lauren, what are you getting? Creme brulee, creme brulee and sawdust, interesting. There's a little bit of a mintiness in there to me. I get like lemon and mint. So now tap some over your tongue. This is really oaky too. It's got a great oak presence as a good yep. American whiskey should. What are you guys getting as you tap that over your tongue? No wrong answers, please share your opinion. Well, that's a nice easy sipper. I get like a little orange, some nice like oaky, ah, Oaky and chocolate notes in there as well. Caramel, very strong on the finish. Yep. That's beautiful. What is the proof on this? It's uh, 83.4. Uh, and uh, again, it's a great one to introduce somebody back to the whiskey category. That's, uh, you know, they remember the old days of doing shots and they're like, oh, I'm not doing it again. This is a great one to say, hey, please, you know, try again. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Great entry level whiskey. Utterly sippable. 86 proof. It's got enough alcohol content that it pushes that flavor profile forward, but it's not gonna burn your nose or your tongue. Really easy sipper. If I was gonna buy a bottle of this uh, at my local liquor store, maybe this is not a question for Dan, but maybe Lily knows. Now, uh, again, not knowing the markets, but I know suggested retail is around $50. And again, later as we continue to talk, I'm gonna talk about the things that we're doing and why, we, why we're a $50 suggested retail product. So. Right on. So going back to, you guys have a proprietary yeast strain, but you're not going to discuss what kind of yeast it is, but it is, how did you guys discover that? Like in the early days of reviving the brand, how yeah. did you land on a certain proprietary yeast strain? Again, that, that would have been, you know, obviously before my time, but it would have been when uh, ownership and Joe Malioko was working 
established in the brand. It was something that they come apart and, and came about. But okay, yeah, it was something. You know, there again, we're not duplicating what Michter's did in Pennsylvania. This, this is, you know, there's the old history that we want to acknowledge and, and be very proud of. Uh, I think it's something that should not be lost to time. And then there's the Kentucky history that we're that we're we're making. And so I, I think it's a great story. And um, yeah, there was. You know, there's a lot of information over time that they were able to get and, and so forth. Thank you. Thank you, Stephanie. Beautiful. And so, again, going back to the older history of, of Mictress coming from the Northeast and not Kentucky, the whiskey that they were making up in the Northeast was that rye whiskey because that's what was in, easily found up there. Down in the South, they were growing a lot of corn. Right. Up in the North, they were growing a lot more rye. Prior prior to like Prohibition and, and so forth, yeah. Sure. And then after Prohibition, because kind of Prohibition's what did in the rye category. And then with, with technology and growing grain and cor or corn uh, so easily, it, it naturally took over. And so the second mark that we're getting into tonight is still a bourbon. This is your small batch. Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey, the U.S. number one from Mictress. So is this made at the same place where you made that unblended whiskey or is it different distillery? No, it, 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 I can, it is a, a distillery. That we didn't go to several distilleries. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you're saying... There is continuity in everything that we're doing here. Um, um, I can say that. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. Um, so this is your small batch bourbon. Um, is it using toasted barrels and charred oak barrels or just yep, so, the charred oak barrel? So all, all of our products um, are, are in the toasted and charred American white oak. So, you know, just to give you a, kind of an idea of what we're doing today at our distillery. Um, first of all, just the grains that we're using. Um, you know, the corn, the rye, the malted barley, they're US-1 grade according to the U.S. Department of Agriculture. So highest grade, um, all three, you know, all three are non-GMO. We do pay a, a premium for that. And they're all three U.S. source coming from great growing areas, our corn, Kentucky, Indiana. You know, you get a lot of great rye from Minnesota, Wisconsin, things like that. North Dakota for the malted barley. Um, so anyways, we're starting out with the highest quality ingredients. Um, our distillation system, if you've heard of Vendome, uh, Vendome is a local company out of Louisville that 95% uh, of bourbon in the United States goes through a Vendome still, um, which is kind of 95% of bourbon actually is made in Kentucky, but I think the, it's like 95% of the distilleries are outside Kentucky. So, <laughs> so it's interesting, but our, our distillation system at, at our main uh, distillery, it's a 100% copper, over 11,000 pounds of copper in the system. We have a 32 inch diameter continuous column still. It's 46 foot tall. So write down these specs so when you go out there, we're gonna, we're, gonna, we're gonna reverse engineer. By asking the right questions, we can figure this out together. With only one tray though, one tray. Okay. But no, okay. so we have the, the column still, so we distill it the first time, and then we, uh, we uh, send it over to the uh, doubler pot still and distill it a second time removing more impurities, increasing the proof, and we distill at around 138 proof, okay? And that, from that point, it goes to the warehouse. And at the warehouse, um, the barrels that were, first of all, um, one of the most important things that we do to enter it into the barrel, we cut that 138 proof distillate to 103 proof. We know that, you know, 125 is the industry max. Um, we know that going in at 103, though, interacts differently. That lower alcohol content um, helps dissolve the sugars more readily. But there's also uh, polyphenolic compounds or phenols that cause a burn with the whiskey. They're somewhat water-soluble, so over time, the maturation process, they'll help break it down. And that's why you'll, whether you like our bourbons, our ryes, or so forth, you're going to notice they're very smooth whiskeys, and that's the biggest thing. Now it costs more to put water up front because it makes us use more barrels, but it's worth it. And again, our ownership kind of always says we have a cost be damn approach. And if it adds to the quality of whiskey, even if it costs more or is less efficient, um, 
they're willing to do it. And in fact, the president of our company always jokes around, like, if I work for a publicly traded company, I'd be fired. And I agree with them because some of the things I, I'm like, wow, when I first joined Michter's, I was like, because so, I've been there since the start of the new distillery. And, and I was like, wow, we're really going to do that? And, and they're serious. It, it truly is about quality. So um, we're the only company that enters in at 103 for all of our products of a distillery of scale. So we're like a mid-sized distillery. Um, you know, our capacity right now is 1 million proof gallons. Eventually, we'll be able to do 1.5 when we expand one more time. So there's a lot of exciting things. That's but, right. th but then the barrels we're using, all of the wood staves are ear-dried seasoned a minimum of 18 months all the way to 60 months. And ear-drying is when they cut the wood stave, they stack it, leave it out exposed to the elements. Over time, it helps naturally break them down and helps break down those tannins so that bitterness, astringency isn't imparted into our whiskeys because that's not what we're looking for. Yeah, those tannins will actually fall out. You go out to those to the stave company where yeah. they've got those lots where the all yep. the stickered up wood is, is dry aging and on the ground is like a black dust. Those are the tannins having actually fallen out of the wood. And those are bitter notes, potentially bitter yep. notes. Yep, so in, and I know a lot of companies, you know, Again, first of all, I always want to say, this is what Michter's is doing. It's not about what others are doing. So it's not a comparison whether someone's doing it right. Because at the end of the day, we're looking at a lot of great whiskeys that were made in different ways. And, I, and this is just what Michter's does, you yeah. know, to make a, a, a quality product. So, you know, the, then the, the barrel itself, as we talked about the toasting and charring process, you know, that toasting, you know, it adds to the cost of it. Um, and then, so toasting, the charring, and then we take it one more, so we enter the 103 barrel entry proof into the barrel, and then our heat uh, warehouses are heat cycled. So why is Kentucky one of the best places to age whiskey? It's the it's, it's changing of seasons, the climate. So, and I know you guys are very experienced, but just, just in general though, we experience what we call four to six cycles. And a cycle is when the whiskey heats up, enters the capillaries, when it cools down, it's extracting those flavors. Naturally, four to six times, well in the winter when it's kind of cold in Louisville, we'll close the windows, the louvers of the building and heat it up. Um, it's very uh, costly um, process because we lose more angel share and of course the heat of the building. So we try to do that another four to six times and we feel it adds about six months of maturity to the whiskey each year we do it. Of course, you can't do it the whole lifetime of the whiskey because you're gonna start to develop off notes and lose too much whiskey because average warehouse is losing about 2.5% a year. We're losing around four. Wow. So it adds up, it, it truly yeah, adds up. Definitely. But those are our big production points of what we're doing to increase the quality just from distillate to aging. Beautiful. So let's get into this one here. The Michter's Small Batch Bourbon. Stick your nose in that glass, breathe in gently through your mouth. What food words come to mind? What are you guys reminded of as you smell this bourbon here? This is 91.4 proof. Ooh, now we're talking. Okay. Come on. What are you guys getting on the nose here? I get like a nice, like, like a caramelized sugar right on the nose. Like it's dense, it's, it's tight, sweet cinnamon. Beautiful, what else? Cherry. Cherry? Nice. So now tap some over your tongue and allow yourself to be surprised. Sometimes your nose will tell you one thing, the tongue will tell you something completely different. Allow that surprise to occur. Don't be too hung up on your, your nosing notes. What are you guys getting as you tap it over your tongue? Bubble gum, Bubble gum. beautiful, a floral note. What else? Star anise, what else? Taffy. 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 I thought you said cat food. I was like, really? I don't know where that came from, if that's no, the no, case. No, no, taffy, <laughs> not cat food. No. Right on. Yeah, right? Yeah. And so no age statement. Is this also five to seven? Uh, again, every, everything that we're trying tonight is aged typically between five and seven. Um, again, we, we do age to a taste profile and not an age statement. So it's not four years in one day. Even our upper marks, like the 10-year products that you may have had, they're, they have always been older than 10 years. We've had 12 years. We've had uh, 14. We've had even older. I think one point in past history, they had 18-year-old in, in a 10-year bottle. Um, and there, you know, there's many reasons why we do that. But again, it's about bringing the best product to the consumer. And, and, and it's about the, the quality of it. 
you know, whether we're doing it or not, our goal is to make the best quality American whiskey. And that's for everybody to decide, but that's why we go to these lengths. And we're, again, we're a smaller company and, and we can do these things. This is really fruity bourbon. To me, I'm getting like beautiful, like juicy fruit. You know, it's like really intensely fruity. Beautiful, easy sipper though. There's nothing that burns my palate. I really love this beautiful bourbon. All right, so now we're gonna get into some rye whiskey. Is that right? What's our third mark yep. here tonight? Yeah, we're getting some rye. Ooh, uh, my favorite. All right, so Stephanie and Maria are coming around straight with rye. the Michter Straight Rye. So again, this kind of now harkens back to the great history of the Northeastern style right. uh, whiskey making process. Tell us about this Michter's Straight Rye Whiskey. Okay, so uh, this is our US-1 single barrel Kentucky Straight Rye. Single barrel rye, I want you guys to wrap your ears around that. Very important. In my opinion, single barrel rye is probably the most important category of whiskey in America right now. I think as, as people become more into spicy foods, like we're expanding our palates as a people, more spicy whiskeys totally makes sense to me. And there's nothing that's gonna have more character than that single barrel of rye whiskey. Right. So I think that this is gonna be a burgeoning category in the next four or five years, yeah, I, no, I hope. I mean, the, I believe the, in this stuff. The growth has been great. Um, the, the rye whiskey has been the flagship of our company for a long time, and now, of course, bourbon's caught it. But one thing about the Michter's rye, uh, we call it a Kentucky-style rye. We actually have a little less rye in the mash bill, so that ad additional malted barley corn provides a nice balance of that sweetness and spice um, versus what we call like an Indiana-style rye. There's a lot of great ryes made in Indiana, but they're 95% rye, very bold, very spicy. Ours is a different approach. It's um, very, again, smooth, approachable, and um, I'm not a bartender, but I, I, you know, just from feedback, it, it does very well in cocktails. And, and one thing I want to throw in there, at going in at 103 proof, when you're done aging, let's say it comes out around 110 proof, okay? And we're bringing it down to, um, you know, like our bourbon, 91.4 proof. Somebody that went in at 125 proof may come out somewhere around 135, give or take. They're adding about 50% more water to get it to bottling proof. So as a consumer, you're getting a lot of water where at least the water up front has the characteristics of the aging process with us. So that's important to us too. Just something to think about. And again, I always say a lot of great whiskeys are made the other way. Um, but again, it's just what we're doing to make a quality whiskey. Um, yes? Can you talk about the challenges so the question about achieving consistency in a single barrel category, uh, it's very challenging, um, <laughs> you know, but it, it comes back to, again, your ingredients, um, the equipment, and then the people that you have making it. Um, you know, every step of our process, we created uh, work instructions. So um, I want to mention, you know, you know, I, I started working out or working in the industry at Jim Beam as a distillery operator. Okay, so I was making it hands-on. Um, two years later, I promoted into supervision at the. So I started at the Claremont Distillery, and then I promoted and went to the Booker No Distillery in Boston, Kentucky. And for another seven years, I was on third shift. And so that's where I saw everything. That's where I was exposed to not just the distillery, but all the other departments that make it up. I also been very fortunate. I, I've worked with a lot of great people that had 10 to 40 years worth of experience that you can't buy in a textbook. Um, along the way, I worked with Pam Howman, which just retired as our master distiller May 1st. So I just actually assumed this role just a handful of months ago. And I'm very honored to have been given this opportunity by Michter's. But I worked with Pam for over 10 years um, at Jim Beam, because she was the distillery manager of the largest bourbon distillery at the time. And then um, I had the opportunity to come to Michter's when the distillery was about to be built. And that's when I joined the team to help oversee the construction. So working with Pam for a long time, um, you develop a lot of things. She's demanding, and she makes you a, a better supervisor, better distillery or distiller, and so forth. Every step of our process, is outlined in work instructions. There, so there's consistency there. So if that, if that helps you a little bit, 
It's very challenging. You're working with Mother Nature, of course. Um, barrels, that's why, you know, just the barrels themselves, they, we have to have that, um, we have to know that each cooperage is doing the same process. You know, typically our wood is coming from the Ozarks. Um, so, but there's a lot. The whole point of single barrels is that they're interesting. They're one-offs, they're rare, they're temporal. Once they're gone, they're gone forever. You need, if you find a single barrel of bourbon that you love, buy two bottles because that thing's going to be gone. It's never going to happen again exactly in the same way. Right. And I think that savvy whiskey buyers hopefully understand that. They're not looking to have the same thing every single time, right? Right. I mean, our goal, though, is to be close, though. I, I mean, you know, again, consistency. We don't want to, you know, take a right turn and, and put something out here where somebody goes, what the hell happened, <laughs> you know? So, um, but yeah, I mean, there is many, many factors, you know, um, whether it's from the ingredients to the, how you're distilling, how you're fermenting, um, you have to have consistency in fermentation, All, you know, from mashing the, when they're milling the grains, you know, same part grain particle sizes every day. You know, we do a lot of things to monitor these processes. And then, yeah, it comes to aging. So in the warehouse, I mentioned where, you know, the barrels, we're using very high quality barrels. The heat cycling, which very few distilleries do it because of cost. But also, our warehouses are four floors high, okay? We've tightened the variance of that temperature change. Obviously, in the summer, you're going to have differences from the fourth to the first floor. But when we're heat cycling, we can control that. In fact, our new warehouse that we just built in Springfield, we're very proud of it, and it's different than the warehouses you're gonna see typically. Um, they're 14-inch thick concrete walls with insulation, and um, it was made by, uh, fully made with uh, non-combustible materials, and the ricks that hold the barrels are steel um, for our employee safety. We, we elected, all of our warehouses um, have the steel ricks. I, I, I hope the whole time I'm distilling, I never have, a, have to name a, a, a product something because of a, a catastrophe. So, yeah, that's one thing I want to avoid. So, but yeah, right. our, uh, yes. Well, here's to no whiskey disasters. Let's get into this single yeah. barrel rye from Michter's. Stick your nose in that glass, breathe in gently through your mouth. What food words come to mind or what are you reminded of? Bino, yeah. ABV, how much is this? 84.8. Uh, Okay, so easy sipping rye. What are you guys getting on the nose? Share your opinion, no wrong answers. Yeah, yeah. I'm getting like a cherry note a little, but it's a pepper and cherry. What else are you guys getting? I get that beautiful sawdust note that we had before, yeah? Peppermint, definitely. Peppermint, yep. Ginger snap cookies, what else? Cake frosting, that's beautiful. Wow, now Thanks. tap it over your tongue. How does that experience change? I get that cake frosting. Now that you said it, I can totally smell that cake frosting. That's good. This is like chocolate chip mint ice cream um, with some like maybe caramel sauce on top. That is gorgeous. What's the bottle price on the single barrel rye? Uh, again, still uh, uh, $50. Um, you know, Willie Pratt is our first master distiller. Um, you know, there's so like the original uh, sour mash whiskey, if you've had an opportunity to have that. You know, that paid homage to Michter's uh, number one selling whiskey in the 1970s and 80s, the also called the original sour mash whiskey. And that's not a bourbon or a rye. We call it a bridge, the, the corn, the rye below 51%. It's not the same recipe. It was Willie's creation, but it was to pay homage to that. And again, um, you know, and that one's more of a, for us, more of an elegant whiskey at 86 proof. But just remember, after Prohibition, as corn really moved in and bourbons were made, you know, rye went away. I mean, that's why at a later time in the 1900s, it was kind of non-existent. I mean, there was actually only a, a couple large producers making it like one day a year, and that would suffice uh, for a while. So, yeah. But in fact, probably when you were working at Jim Beam, Jim Beam, when I first started, when we opened up Seven Grand 13 years ago, Jim Beam Rye, we had it on the back bar. They made Jim Beam rye whiskey one day a year at Jim Beam. One day a year was enough to supply all the rye whiskey that they would need for all their orders for all of the world. Now they make it like- It's more. Once every 12 <laughs> days or something, right? Yeah. Something did, like that, yeah, it's like well, at I least once a month. Those, but I know it's more, but. I know that last time I was there, I think they were saying they do it at least once a okay. month. Yep. And that's how much the rye whiskey interest has peaked. 
So, amazing single barrel rye, Michter's single barrel rye whiskey, utterly affordable, utterly sippable. Stephanie's coming around with our fourth and final mark. Dan, what is this fourth mark here? Okay, um, the fourth mark that um, it's great to share with you here. This is our uh, limited release. Again, it's barrel strength Kentucky straight rye whiskey. This is gonna come in at 110 proof, okay? So think about where we just came from with the US-1 single barrel rye. It was 84.8 uh, proof, very, still very flavorful. Now we've removed it from the cast at barrel strength. We would have done our custom chilled filtration. And again, I know there's differing opinions on how filtration should be, but our approach on custom chilled filtration is that you know, um, we're using first used barrels. They're very rich. They put a lot of things into the whiskey. And again, this is about how Michter's wants to present our whiskeys. Remember, there's larger chain molecules or smaller ones. You know, some things are dominant over others and we wanna find a nice balance and let some of those more aromatics shine through also. Now, we don't have a one size fits all approach. So our filtration is very time consuming. We have different filtering media for each expression. Um, this is something Willie Pratt worked on very extensively. Uh, 32 different filtrations per expression, um, whether it's using diatomaceous earth filtrate uh, media or cellulose or perlite or different grades, different micron sizes, time, pressures, things like that. They went through it. And, it, and it's really cool if you ever get an opportunity, if you ever get an opportunity um, we can take the filtration protocol for the bourbon and then completely change another product, whether it, we, you know, we want to leave as much solids, flavors, color in the whiskey. We go to great lengths. If you look, look how nice the color is. The color is just one small aspect of a whiskey, but it's very mature and, and it shows. And those are the, the you know, that comes from the barrel. Um, but yeah. So 110 proof, uh, very proud of this one. If you uh, compare it to what we just had, is you know, the intensity's there. But it, again, it's still a very smooth rye whiskey at 110 proof, but bringing more layers, more flavors. Yeah, so all of our ryes are always single barrel. Wow. Okay. And this is barrel strength. So this is single barrel Michter's rye at barrel oh. strength. So as hot as it out. comes out of the barrels, what's coming into your bottle, so stick your nose in this glass, breathe in gently through your mouth. This could be the first time that you've ever tasted single barrel rye whiskey bottled at cast strength. So what is that higher alcohol content doing for you? Share your food words, guys. What are you reminded of as you smell this cast strength single barrel rye whiskey? No wrong answers. Bananas? Bananas Foster. What else? Spicy, what kind of spice? Is it clove, is it red chili? Is it cinnamon? Is it uh, nutmeg? What do you guys get? Say again? Brown sugar, all right. Yeah, brown sugar, definitely. Anybody, anybody? Wow. Ooh, I get cayenne too. I get like a red chili right on the nose, so it's spicy on the nose. You said spicy and now I know what you mean. Why I think I, it smells almost like taco sauce. It's like really, really got me there. And then there's like a vanilla thing and a citrus note. Like I get like a, a lemon. A lemon and chili kind of thing going on. Now tap it over your tongue. What else happens? Remember, we went in at 103 proof. So over aging, the proof's coming up. Remember, we've added a lot of water up front. So, and if we've aged about five to, you know, again, five to seven, but um, no, not, it, that's the evaporation and where it was in the warehouse. You'll see 110, 112 is typical. 108, occasionally you'll find some bottles at even 107, because maybe it's a different level of the warehouse. Yeah, um, and sometimes there's anomalies. Sometimes the proof actually goes down. There's just weird things that happen in the rack house. But sometimes you pull a bottle, I mean a barrel, yeah. and you put it in at 103, and then you taste it, and it's actually at 99. You're like, how did it actually go down in proof? Right. But sometimes Condi that happens. Conditions and uh, 114, if, if you ever see it, 114's now on the higher side of us. So that's where your range is when you go in. No, uh, it's 103. Now, again, I can't speak for uh, phase one whiskeys. 
uh, you know, again, we know things about them, but, um, you know, that, that was different. So I just want to be clear there. So when can we look forward to actual, your, your homemade whiskeys coming to market? So uh, w w our, our approach is still going to be the same. W uh, that taste profile, it's got to be right. Um, if we're following true to, like I keep saying, 5-7, you know, you know, August of 15, but I would say somewhere in 21, 22, um, and we'll, we'll transition in. The goal is to make it the same or better. I mean, so we want to make sure it's right. Um, somebody asked me the other day, uh, you know, again, I just uh, assumed this role in May 1st, and they're like, what do you think of your legacy? And I said, my legacy? I'm worried about not screwing up what Michter's has done so far. So, um, you know. Yeah, legacy, I'm just worried about my legs. <laughs> yeah. You know? So, um, but yeah, so hopefully that answers. But uh, yeah, proof range around 110, 112. Sometimes you'll see around 114, maybe even down to 17. We try to not be lower, so. Beautiful okay. stuff. We're in all 50 states. When I, when I started just, you know, with them years back, we were under 20 countries. We're now in 55 countries. But the, it may be this much or this much. So, but we've been uh, very well received. Again, it, the quality of it is what speaks for it. I mean, I know I'm a pretty face, but the whiskey is really what brought you here. And, that's right. That's you right. Know. <laughs> so I always like to say when people like they try to knock like private labels or contract distillers, I'm like, hey, listen. At the end of the day, it's about <laughs> your palate. Take it yeah. easy, Dan. That was right, that cayenne. Back, that was the cayenne. But, yeah, <laughs> but it is. <laughs> it's like if you like it, then drink it. You shouldn't judge it. You shouldn't prejudice yourself against a certain whiskey based on how it's made or who made it. It's like if you like it and can you afford it, you know? What's yeah. your question? Uh, how does the expressions of shanks and bomb burgers fit into our brand? Great question. So again, it goes back to that early history of when it was Shanks in 1753 and 1800s for Bombergers. What we did there, so I'll speak of 2018. We call them the, the legacy brands. They're paying homage, but it also allows us to be creative in, in, this, in these expressions. So we put a vintage on the bottle. Each year, we're going to have a little different uh, creativity so that we haven't settled in on something. We want to have some fun with this. Um, it's outside the Michter's house style of rich, flavorful, nice, warm mouthfeel, and smooth, okay? The Shanks itself for 2018 is whiskey that was aged in um, uh, our new toasted charred American white oak barrels and some French oak. They're going to give you some tannin, so a little dryness, but uh, some spice. That sounds delicious. Yes, it, it really is. And then the Bomb Burgers is a bourbon, 108 proof. And that was bourbon that was aged again in our new toasted barrels and uh, chinkapin oak barrels, which gives you a nice fruity, um, fruity and spice characteristics. But uh, if you ever have the opportunity to try it, it's 108 proof. I guarantee you'll be like, really? Because it's very smooth and flavorful. Um, but again, it's something. So 2019, it'll be a little different. And then 2020, we'll probably do something. So it allows us to have some fun and bring something new because our US one line is gonna be consistent and it allows us to bring something of different. The last thing we wanna be is the flavor of the month club. That's and, for sure. And we love using our barrels, our wood sciences to drive flavors. Um, so you have to produce quality distillate, quality barrels, aging, and so forth. So, so um, wonderful, wonderful and, stuff. And also I just wanna, something that we uh, actually just released in the press, it comes out September 1st. It's, our, again, our original uh, Sour Mash Whiskey, 86 proof. I'm, I talked about it. It's, it's a little more elegant, and we're releasing a toasted barrel finish Sour Mash Whiskey. If you've had the bourbon, uh, toasted barrel finish bourbon and rise, you're going to experience something different with this. To complement the, the Sour Mash Whiskey, we went with a, uh, a more mild toasting profile, a little more fruity floral notes that, uh, again, complement it. So you're gonna get some toffee, buttery, vanilla, um, but as it comes across the pellet, you're gonna to start to get that toastiness that you would expect, but it will be different than the other two releases, and that's what we wanted. We wanted you to experience something. So if you're familiar with the whiskey, you're gonna you're gonna understand kind of why we did it. And what's really cool is the, the Sour Mash Whiskey itself just won Whiskey of the Year by Whiskey Exchange 
first American whiskey to achieve that honor, so which is very That's proud. Huge. But because of that, we're now out of yeah, it. So. <laughs> That's so. wonderful. So, I, we, we really are out of it. <laughs> so, and, and the thing is, now you guys have a, a visitor center in Kentucky. If you guys are in yeah. Louisville, go check out the Mixers Distillery. You guys are making whiskey now. Yep. Will you promise me you'll come launch it here when you guys <laughs> finally have your, your own stuff that's coming to market? Let's will, launch it right here in this room. I, I would love to. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, and real quick, and I'll do one plug real quick. Please come to Kentucky, downtown. Um, our main facility is not open to the public, unfortunately. Our visitor center is uh, downtown. Louisville is a great city. Food, hospitality, arts, entertainment. We're right across from the Louisville Slugger Museum. Um, There's also the Muhammad Ali Museum yep, there. Yeah, a lot of great places. No, definitely. The, the city is really coming alive. There's a lot of other little great small distilleries downtown. Whiskey Row now. Um, our, our beautiful Fort Nelson building that we restored that was built in the 1890s. We have a fully operational craft distillery there, again, using the pot stills from the original Michters. Which is a great education yep. to go there. You see like how the yep. small scale really works. We're, we're, we're actually mashing in the basement. We pump it upstairs to the first floor into the fermenters. We pump it to the stills, we distill. We, we cut the whiskey there and then send the barrels off site. There's other things about talking about, you know, educationally about toasting, charring, sensory exercises. And then upstairs we have the, the bar at Fort Nelson. It's a world-class cocktail bar. And um, David Wondridge, um, the world-famous uh, curate, sure, helped we curate. Love Dave. Yeah, he curated the, and worked with our local team to create the cocktail menu. So it's a great experience. So please, please come out. All right, I'm gonna take you up on that. You got a sofa I can sleep on? <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Well, of course. You guys, let's give it up for Dan McKee from Mictors. Yeah. Amazing, amazing stuff. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming yeah, pleasure. out. Pleasure, thank you. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you like what you heard, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating and review. The Spirit Guide Society is a Spirit Adventures production in association with Bitten from the Apple Productions. Special thanks to Tone Mesa for their post-production and audio services. The show is produced by Andrew Apple and me, Pedro Shanahan. Executive producer, Andrew Abrahamson. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Spirit Guide SOC. We'll be there to answer any questions you have, share what we're drinking, and more. And if you're still thirsty, you can always find more episodes of the show wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to always drink responsibly. That means don't drink to forget, drink to remember.